All right. Greetings, brothers and sisters. We thank the Lord for uh, blessing us with a, another day, um, whether this uh, is uh, your day or your evening, uh, depending on when you listen to this or wherever you are in the world where you may um, listen to this. We pray that um, that this word will be a blessing to you, um, that you'll be able to follow along in scripture, um, that everything that we talk about today will be plain. We are going to uh, continue, brothers and sisters, um, in our uh, lesson uh, series. It has definitely become a series. We are 10 lessons into it. This is our 10th lesson, by the way. Um, and we are continuing our discussion on the topic of uh, addendums to our life's story. Amen. Um, in the last uh, two lessons, so lessons nine and lesson eight, um, we did go over what we mean by that. So uh, if you're just now joining us, uh, uh, I do invite you to go back to the previous lessons there and uh, listen to those. Uh, that will bring you up to speed as far as what we mean by um, addendums to our life's uh, story. The, 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 the real short and quick of it all, however, is, is that we're talking about um, those things that um, get added to our story. We've, we've discussed in, um, in, especially in lessons uh, eight and nine, uh, that we have a story. Amen. Amen. We definitely have uh, a story. Scripture teaches that God is the author and finisher of our faith. The, and and we, we discussed that at length um, in the previous lessons. And we, we talked about how God um, um, start. He's the author. He starts us out and he's the finisher. He finishes us up. However, he allows us to, to author the content or the middle of the story. Amen. And we, we said that that story, um, the middle is comprised of all of the decisions and um, choices that we have made and things that we have done that we've chosen to do. We also said that the best thing for us to do is to, uh, instead of taking the uh, entire author role, because uh, we'll just mess up the story anyway, um, the, the, the better thing is to let God um, author um, with us. So in other words, we become his co-author. Um, not, not him become your co-author, but us become his co-author. In other words, we're following his decisions and, and I mean, his, um, his word, um, and his, his rule set. And then we're living our life according to, to that. It's always good to not, not try to fit, you know, a lot of people, um, live their life, um, so-called Christians, um, they, when they come to the Lord, they're not taught the importance of, of adopting the ways of God. So what happens is, is that you end up with um, a, a subset of Christian um, or believer in the Lord Jesus Christ that is beholden to holding on to the things um, that they have been previously doing prior to be, being saved. They, they um, you know, some stuff is obvious that they can't do. And so some of them, they'll, they'll let that go. But there are other things that they also need to let go but but they're not as obvious and and no one has told them so they hold on to some of these worldly um traditions and mannerisms and actions or activities whatever you may call them um and so they they um and, and some of them do that um some of them do that purposely but a lot of them do that accidentally because they they don't know the lord said his people perish after all, for lack of knowledge. And truly, a lot of people don't really understand that, you know, that when, when God saves you, he saves you, he saves you out of um, the previous life and the things that you were once a slave to. Now, now that you're free, you, you can't go bringing those things, um, those uh, items of, of uh, from from your bondage days uh, to this world. Amen. You don't want to be bringing that stuff into your present day walk with the Lord because it's incompatible. It's it's not going to work. And and some of you um, who are listening to this, who will listen to this, that 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 probably is the crux of your problem. Um, that's the bulk of your problem is, is that you keep trying to make that old stuff that God saved you out of and delivered you from you keep trying to make that work you but but you, you're gonna have to let it go you can't you you can't have 
God's way and your way or this world. You, you, no man can love two masters. He's going to love one or hate the other. The scripture is very plain. Um, but some of you are in, um, you're in quite the predicament because you are in love with two masters. You, you, they're the, they're the aspects of this world that you really want to hold on to. And so, and your life re reflects that you are Christian only in, um, in claim, um, verbal claim, you claim it and everything and, and so on, but you don't walk it and you don't live it. And that's a problem because you need to understand if, if you ain't living it, it don't matter if you claim it, you're not it. You need to understand that you're not going to make it. You, you, you're not, you're not going to make it. Amen. You, and you, you need to do know that ma'am, sir, that living according to this world, um, and not, a, and, and not according to the rules that God has laid is not going to net you heaven. It's not, you're not going to end up in heaven. And I know, I know some, some of you have been mis misled. You've been part of ministries and churches and different things that have allowed a lot of, of, of just nonsense to go on. But I'm here to tell you that stuff is nonsense and you're going to have to get on out of there and you're going to have to get to that word. And you're going to have to begin to follow that word on the strength that, hey, guess what? The Lord saved you. Stop waiting for everybody else to catch up and do it together. This ain't no, this ain't no kumbaya thing. This ain't no everybody come, <laughs> let, let's serve the Lord together. No, you, when you decide to serve the Lord, it's wonderful when we are all on one accord and we serve the Lord, but your acceptance of the Lord and your commitment to him has to go beyond um, what everyone else in your vicinity, okay, or in your circle is doing. It's, it's a choice that has to transcend, Amen. Um, company or companionship every it, it, you if you're going to serve the lord that got to be a choice that's independent of whether or not other people are doing it because the reality is is that there are going to be a lot of times where others and most others are not doing it amen and then the question is 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 really like what jesus asked of his disciples after he had taught a very hard and difficult lesson that the people who were listening had a hard time gravitating. They couldn't understand that. They they were like, oh man, Jesus, he's too deep. He's too much. And I'm just paraphrasing. And like, and they're like, oh no, nah, we're gone. And the Bible says that they walked with him no more. Amen. And so the Lord turns to the disciples and he asks them a question. And that same question that he asked, I'm going to ask you. He said, will ye also go away? See, they, when the word got tough and, 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 and the commitment to the Lord got rough because it gets rough sometimes. Sometimes you just, you're going to serve you to serve the Lord. You're going to do this in the face of people who are talking about you or who mean you harm or, or don't mean you well, who, who post themselves up as adversarial in many different ways and, 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 or just causing trouble. But I mean, all kinds of different things. My, my, my point point here is, is that serving the Lord is not always picture perfect. You're going to serve the Lord in the trenches. You're going you're gonna to serve the, serve the Lord. You're going to have to do so while, <laughs> while traversing the challenges of life. So just make sure that you understand that, you know, because the question is, is will you also go away when, when, when everybody else gets going because the word of God is, is requiring um, uh, your commitment. And that a commitment is infringing on the time that you used to use for this, that, and the other, and all this other kind of stuff. And now you, now you're like, oh man, what did I get myself into? What? No, listen, you're supposed to count up the cost before you even came. Amen. That's the way of the Lord. The Lord don't, he don't do smoke and mirrors and trick people into say into serving him. No, it's a choice and it's a commitment and you, and it's one that needs to be done with knowledge. Okay. True knowledge and understanding that what you have, you there needs to be the 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 aspect that you have taken time to consider the Lord's offer and what it requires, and decided whether you can you you can live up to this or you're willing to commit to this. You now listen. You ain't always gonna know whether or not you can live up to it on your own, but the fact of the matter matter is that you are able to live up to it because we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. Philippians four thirteen. So you can get it done even when you don't feel like you can get it done. But sometimes people go off of what they feel and they don't go off of what's said. See, what's, what's, said, what's written, rather, they don't go off of what's written or what God has said. 
They go off of the way they personally feel. Well, the what what is written and what God has said trumps everything else. And so you want to go with with what the Lord has written and what he said that that's settled. His word is forever settled. The blessings of the Lord, they, they're, they're yay <laughs> and amen. Yes and amen. I mean, God's stuff is set. So you want to make sure that you understand that. Brothers and sisters, we are in our 10th lesson. We were, um, um, our scripture text, background text is found in Jeremiah 36, 1 through 7. Uh, and it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord saying, take thee a roll of a book and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah and against all the nations. From the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day, um, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil, which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neri, and Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord, which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch saying, I am shut up. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore go thou and read in the roll, which thou hast written from my mouth, the words of the Lord in the ears of the people in the Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah that come out of their cities. It may be they will present their supplication before the Lord and will return everyone from his evil way for great is the anger and the fury that the Lord hath pronounced against this people. And as always, may God add a blessing to those that hear and do his word. Um, but I can surely tell you that the greatest blessing was going to be for those that are doers of the word or not just hearers. So make sure that you are not just a hearer and that you are a doer as well. You want to be able to partake of all that God has for you. Amen. Now, in we, we talked about uh, right now, um, we're, 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 um, we're going to look at verse number three. Now, this is the verse that we have been talking about, and we're technically almost just about done with that. And that's where we kind of um, ended things. The word of God says, um, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil, amen, which I purpose to do unto them. Amen. Okay. So that, that, that evil there means uh, calamity. Okay, it means um, it's a it's an it, the evil um, when he says oh he says he, he says it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them. Let's unpack that a little bit more, and then we'll we'll move forward, Lord Lord willing. Now, as I told you at this point, Jeremiah is in prison. Okay, and um, the Lord when he showed up didn't show up with the word of deliverance for Jeremiah but rather he showed up with a word for Jeremiah to deliver um, to the nation in which he was a part of the nation of, of Judah. So it's a word um, to, 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 to help them. And the intent of God can be seen, amen, clearly in verse number three. Now, when you look at the B portion of verse number three, he says, um, it says, he says um, you, you, um, that they, he says that they may return every man from his evil way that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Okay. Verse number three, amen, um, is the scripture in particular that puts in perspective for us the intent of God in the whole scheme of this thing and in, in all in in this interaction why is the lord dealing with jeremiah why is he giving jeremiah this message why is he sending this message through jeremiah to the people why is he why why is he doing that well verse number three is the key that's the verse that you want to make sure you understand and you are acquainted with um, because it gives the context it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil. Notice he said, it may be, amen, amen, which implies that it does not have to be. Now, God, I, we said this before, 
And we're going to say this again. God, amen, is a God of second chances. But I want to tell you something. God is uh, not only a God of second chances, but God is also a God of final chances. Amen. He is a God of second chances and he is a God of final chances. Now, when we say second chances, we don't mean just in the context that um, second um, as if there's only two. Okay, we're using that as a phrase to encompass all of the many second chances, if you will, that God God gives us. Okay, so all of the the multiple chances that God gives us to return to Him and to turn away from our sin and to put all the stuff that we don't need and the things that go against His will, all of the opportunities that He gives us, where all of that is falling under the banner of the second chance. Okay. So we're using second chances in a, in a broad um, sweeping um, sense to encompass all of the multiple chances, whether you're on your 10,000th chance, it doesn't matter. Okay. It went right for the purpose of our discussion. It's falling under the category of second chance. God is a God of second chances, brothers and sisters. And I hope you understand that many of you right now, the only the reason why you are here in fact, all of us, really, if you are on the Lord's side, if you have, uh, listen, if you have obeyed the gospel as found, amen, the plan for salvation as plan as found in the book of Acts chapter two, starting around verse 36, amen, you have repented of your sins, you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you were filled with the Holy Spirit ghost amen and you know you got the holy ghost you got it just the way they got it in that god when he did it he proved it you were able amen to speak in other tongues as his spirit gave utterance amen that tongue was not a language that you were taught no one could teach it to you but all of a sudden you gained the ability amen to speak in this in 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 another language amen pray uh, you you began to be able to speak in this tongue amen because tongue means languages or language amen now if you've done that amen if you've if you've done that then brothers and sisters the fact that you were able to do that is because god gave you second chance amen you were able to do, you were able, listen, you are saved. I am saved. Amen. Because of a second chance. This is truly what it means to be saved by grace. Amen. We are saved by grace through faith. Amen. Amen. And truly the depth of what that means is, is that we were given a second chance. Now I'm just going to bottom line that. You were given a second chance. God could have thrown the book at you and me at any point. We, Lord knows we deserved it. We've gotten so many things wrong. We've messed up so many things. And the truth be told, we've, you know, our, we, we, we've put our hands to some awful, awful things. But here we are today delivered. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Not because we earned it, not because we deserved it or anything, but truly because of God's grace. You see, it's God's grace that offered you and me a second chance. Jesus went to the cross and died on that cross as a substitute for you and I. It should have been me and it should have been you paying for our own crimes. But the Lord loved you so much that he took that punishment in our stead. And then in turn, after rising from the grave on the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his hand, he offers salvation to us, amen. But not willy-nilly and not for, and listen, we, <laughs> and, 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 and not with no strings attached. We like to make it seem like, oh, we're, you know what I'm saying? Salvation is free. It is free, but it ain't cheap. Salvation, there's a cost with that. Salvation is going to cost your life. Do you understand that? Amen. The price of salvation 
is commitment to God. And a lot of people don't, you don't understand that. See, you didn't have to go to the cross and pay for it. No. He spotted you. That means he put it up. He put, he, he, he put the money up for you. He paid for it with his own blood, his own life. That's what he did. He prepared him. God prepared himself a body for that purpose. And he took that body to a cross. And that body died. God didn't die, but that body did. That body was made for him to be a sacrifice. To pay for sins, and my goodness, that's exactly what he did. He paid for it. On your behalf. He took the punishment on my behalf. And now I can stand redeemed on the strength of what he did. Now, to partake of this, I am free to partake of it. But the actual partaking, that no, there's a cost with that. What's the cost? Your life. You got to obey God. See, you can accept the Lord and you can go and obey the gospel and you will receive salvation. You will receive all that. Acts chapter two, you will receive all of that. Amen. Amen. But after you have received it, amen, there is a part that you, that God allows you to play in the maintenance of it. Now, you understand what I mean by that. Now, you can't save yourself, nor can you maintain it on your own. But you can drop out of eligibility, so to speak. What do you mean by that? What I mean is that you can walk away from God. And the salvation that you had can be forfeit. If you live a life of when God saves you and you live a life of disobedience, you walking in sin and according to the word, guess what? You might have been saved and received a ticket to heaven. But what you don't realize is that as soon as you start living and turn, as soon as you truly just turned away from God and start living like that, you are holding on to tickets that have been voided out, that are canceled. They're no good without obedience. I'm not trying to tell you that you can work to be saved. No. But you're supposed to work because you are saved. You got work to do. You got an assignment. God saved you for a reason, not for you to sit around and be looking in the mirror at your salvation. Oh, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm, man, no, you're not. And you're not doing nothing. No, it don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't want us to do that. that that's an abuse of God's grace. So you need to understand, listen, salvation costs. See, it ain't no, see, we get messed, we get, we, we get it all mixed up because we're like, wait a minute, I thought salvation for you, it is free. For you and I, it's offered at the, at the wonderful, low, low cost of free. Amen. But what the Lord was trying to tell you and I and everybody else, the purchase price for you and I, has already been paid. So to acquire it, you and I, to initially acquire it is free. All we got to do is obey the gospel. That's all we got to do. Amen. According to Acts, again, you're going to see it. Chapter 2, start at verse 36. Keep going. To obtain it is free. But after you obtain it. There's maintenance charges. See, there are maintenance. 
the, the acquisition of it, the acquiring, that's free. But the maintaining of it, that's, that's going to cost. And here's the way that it works. It's not that you maintain it. It's that God maintains it. If you will remain obedient to him. I know, I know. Sometimes the way we talk about this stuff, it can sometimes sound like it's works, but it's really not works. We don't work to be saved. We work because we are saved. See, the strength to maintain your salvation is not in you. It's a gift. God has to do that. But God only does it as long. Listen, you got to understand it's conditional. And that's what we don't like to hear. But that's what the Bible teaches. Jesus said, you got to be faithful unto death. You got to listen, you got to go all the way. And as long as you remain in him. See, the Lord said, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. Now, abide mean to dwell. It mean to post up. It mean to camp, basically. So you set up shop. You set up home. You live in there. Okay? I'm just trying to make this plain. He said, abide in me, and I abide, and I'll abide in you. Now, we know that if any man have not the spirit of God, he is none of his. So without the Holy Ghost, you ain't, you don't belong to God. So the Lord says, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. Well, the question is, how does God abide in us, and how do we abide in him? Well, very simple. God abides in us by way of his spirit or the Holy Ghost. That's why you got to have the Holy Ghost. Don't settle for somebody telling you, oh, you ain't got to get the Holy Ghost like they got it in the, in the Bible. No, as long as you have this feeling. No, it ain't no feeling, friend. No, it ain't. No. Don't you reduce the Holy Ghost to a mere feeling because it ain't that. The Holy Ghost is real. That is God Almighty. It ain't no third God or none of that. It's only one God. Holy, listen, listen. Holy refers to the character of God. He's clean, undefiled, pure. But spirit refers to the nature of God. God is not a man. God is a spirit. But he ain't just any spirit. He's a clean spirit. He's a righteous spirit. He's an undefiled spirit. Thus, the term or the title, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is a title of God. God has a name. His name is Jesus. That's the revealed name of God in the New Testament. Amen. There's only one God. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now, when you dwell, God dwells in us by way of his spirit. But we dwell in him by way of obedience. That's how, you, that's how you abide in him. He abides in us by way of his spirit, but we abide in him by way of obedience to his spirit or to his word. Notice, remember what he said. The words that he speak are what? Spirit and they are life. God is a spirit. God's wordless is spiritual. He's a spirit. So we abide in him by way of obedience. Amen. That's the cost, obedience. That's the maintenance cost, rather. See, the purchase price, you couldn't do that. God, God did that himself. You couldn't afford it. You couldn't do it. Not, not to his liking. For what he wanted to happen? No, you didn't, you didn't have enough. So he took that on. 
But now there's a maintenance charge, if you will. There's a maintenance cost. And that cost is obedience. And you can choose not to pay that cost. How do you choose not to pay that cost? You do that by choosing to live foul and living according to the world, to live in disobedience and in rejection of God. Now, if you have received the Holy Ghost and then afterwards you decide to do that, then you need to understand you're going to kick the Holy Ghost out. And then you will be numbered amongst the wicked. I'm not making this stuff up. This is in the word. This stuff is in the word. You can't listen. God have never allowed anybody who is righteous to turn from his righteousness and then still inherit all the gifts of God. No, 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 and no. Somebody better read Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter, you better read it. He's never allowed anybody to do that. He's not going to do that. You got to be faithful, family. Brother, sister, you got to be faithful. Amen. God is a God of second chances, but he is also a God of final chances. The difference is, is that when God gives is, is that you and I are not always made privy to what chance we're on. This is why the best thing that you can ever do is obey the word of God as soon as you hear it. Start, set your heart to be obedient right then and there. See, the first, see, it, it, there's two stages to obeying the word of God. Two stages, two steps. The first step is setting your heart and your mind to obey it. Okay. So in other words, the decision, the internal decision that I'm going to be obedient, to, I'm going to do what God said, do. That's the first thing. The second thing is the actual carrying out, putting it into practice. So there's two steps to obeying God. First, you got to set your heart and your mind to do it. You got to decide that I am, listen, you got to subjugate your will to God. You have to bend and you got to surrender and you got to say, you know what? I'm doing this God's way. I'm doing what God said. So you have to surrender in, to, to, to God's will and to God's way. You got to decide that that's what I'm going to do. Long before you start carrying it out, you need to decide. Why? Why is that important? Because what you do, it's got to be from the heart. God is looking and a searcher of the heart. God don't want you to go through the motion. This is why it's got to be a this true heart decision of yours that, hey, I'm going to follow the word. I'm going to be obedient to the word. I'm going to follow scripture. I'm going to start living according to what God said. And I'm going to put down all of the, the nonsense and the things that I don't need and the things that I have been doing and the things that I've been making as out to be important, but they're really not because they go against God. I'm done with all that. I am going to do that. See, you got to listen. You got to decide. You got to get a decision going on in your mind right now that I'm going to do right. See, some of you right now, you in trouble. And let me tell you why you in trouble. Because your mind is wrong. See, your mind is still on doing that nonsense stuff. And as long as your mind is there, you're going to have trouble. Brother, sister, you're going to have you're going to have problems. See, the the ingredient that many of you are missing is the decision. The resolve, that ability that God has given you to decide what you want to do. Notice verse number three said, it may be that the house of Judah will hear. He didn't say it was guaranteed that they would hear. He said, it may be that they will hear. That meant that deliverance for the people of God. Here, I'll, I hope you better hear this. Deliverance was not set in stone. It was not guaranteed against their will. It was not set in stone against their will. It was not guaranteed against their will. Do you see that? He said it may be. The reason that he gave you for what he was doing with Jeremiah, why he gave Jeremiah that message is because there was the potential 
that they might turn from their wicked ways. It was the potential that they might get it right. It wasn't guaranteed against their will. And that's the way God operates. God did it because there was the possibility. And so it is with your salvation, my salvation. Jesus went to the cross. Because he wanted everyone to be saved. But don't think for a minute that he didn't know everybody was not going to be saved. Nah, none but the righteous shall see God. And it's a whole lot of people that ain't committed to being righteous. So that means it's a whole lot of people that is not going to see God. But look at why he did it. John 3.16, for God what? So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believed it, who listen, the whole point was that you wouldn't perish. But that you in turn or instead would have eternal life. He did it to give you the option. Why? Because he knew that there were going to be some people who would choose. He made it available to everybody, even though he knew everybody was not going to accept it. Verse number three said, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil. That word evil, I told you. Amen. About that word. It means, it, it, it means calamity, so to speak. And really what it means, what it really drives into is or refers to is an event resulting in great loss and misfortune. That's that's really that's really what it what it gets down to. Amen. God said it may be that the house of Judah will hear all of the evil. And now when we talk and when we and, and not only that, now when we talk about this in reference to God or whatnot, God is God. Listen, what that was referring to. Is, is the impending punishment, the disaster, if you will, the great loss and misfortune that was getting ready to hit them if they continue, if they would continue in this course of rebellion and rejection of God. God said, There's an evil that I purpose, that I intend to bring to you. Uh, there's a punishment that I intend to bring to you. And God said, Jeremiah, I want you to tell it to him because my hope, my, my, because my hope is, is that by hearing what's on the way, by hearing what is waiting in the wings, by hearing the trouble that's headed their way. By hearing about the problems that's getting ready to overtake them. Perhaps that would be enough. To arouse some of them out of their slumber. Causing them to wake up. And to finally get clued in. To the sad reality that they are headed for destruction. They're headed for problems. And God is trying to rescue. And I want to segue right here because somebody who will hear this lesson, you need to know something. You are headed the wrong way. You are headed for destruction. You are living your life the way that you want to by your own rules and by your own means and all this other kind of stuff. But you And you don't realize you were made to give God glory. You were made to praise and worship. You was never designed to live your life detached from God. God was always supposed to be a part of your life. But you reject God and you rebel against God and you kick him out of everything. And you decide that you're going to do it your way and you're going to go your own way. 
and you leave God on the side of the road. And you don't realize that you are lost without God. But you don't realize you lost because the world keeps telling you the same maddening message that everything's all right, that you're good, you're fine. Hey, you know what? It's all about you. They're lying to you. The devil is lying to you. You're not okay. And it's not going to be all right with you living in rejection and rebellion to God. You got to come out, out of this foolishness. Jesus paid it all so that you could come out of it. And he's sending you a word right now. Then listen, you had it for destruction. You had it for the, for the wrong way. And the reason why he's sending this message, I'm giving you the message right now, is because it just may be that some of you who will listen to this, you're going to get clued in. And you're going to get off of this one-way <laughs> one train to hell. God trying to get you off of that. He said it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the, that it, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them. That when they hear that, they may return. And I want to ask you something. What does it take for God to get our attention? What does it take? We're wrapping up this verse number three in Jeremiah 36. Verse three, what does it take for the Lord to get yours and our attention? Look at Luke chapter seven. When you turn to Luke chapter seven, I want you to turn to verse um, uh, 24. Amen. Luke chapter seven, which turn to verse 24. And we're going to read probably, we're going to read through to verse 35. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went he out to, into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went he out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment, behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he. Of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of a woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. Now I'm going to continue the rest of that, but I want to stop right here for just a moment, set some context. Amen. At this point, you understand. John the Baptist, as he would be called, at a certain point, John had some questions. Amen. 
And the Bible says that with everything that Jesus was doing, the Bible says that the, the rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea, throughout all Judea and throughout all the region about. And the Bible says, uh, and, and this is concerning, this is concerning Jesus. And so John's disciples went and showed John those things, or in other words, they took the message of what, of, of, of what was happening, the rumors and all the different things that was going on about Jesus and, and, and who he is and all of these different things and, 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 and so on and so forth, all of these different things. And so John had a, there was a point in John's life where, where, or in John's ministry where even John had some questions. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes in ministry, you're going to have some questions. You're going to wonder about Jesus at times. You're going to wonder where, where he is and what's going on at, at times. This is, it's, it's, it's common within, within the ranks of ministry, but nevertheless, John had some concerns as it concern. He was hearing all the rumors and, and his, and, and John's disciples, amen. John's disciples were, were bringing these reports back to John. And, and so John, at, at some point, even though he would baptize Jesus and all these different things, he, he just needed to get clear on some things. He wanted to make sure that he wasn't making a mistake, that he was understanding things the way that he should. And so the Bible teaches us also in Luke chapter seven, that, that John called his disciples to him. And then he sent them to Jesus to ask him, are you the one that should come? Or do we look for another? I, 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 I want to know, are you, John wants to know, Jesus, are, are, are you the one? See, because John had some questions, and, and, and many times, sometimes, Get listen in ministry and in life, you're gonna have questions. You're gonna, especially when you serve in the Lord, because sometimes serving the Lord can be pretty thankless. Amen. And every now and then, you just look for the Lord to reassure you. And and so John did the same thing, sent his disciples to to Jesus to just to confirm: Are are you are you are you He? Are you are are you the one that we're looking for? Art thou He? That should come, or, or are we looking for somebody else? Do we look for another? And the Bible teaches that when they came to Jesus in that same hour, Jesus continued to work miracles. And when and 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 and, and in the course of working miracles, Jesus turns to John, um, John's disciples, rather, because remember, John sent his disciples. And and and. <laughs> And, and, he, and he sends them, he says, listen, go tell John all the things that you're seeing. Tell him about all the miracles. Tell him about all of these things. And, and tell John, don't be, don't be offended. It's a blessing to the one who, who's not offended. I, I, John, I know that you're waiting for this, you're waiting for that, or whatever it is. But, but, but tell John about how you're seeing these wonderful things. Tell him how the blind are beginning to see and the lame are walking and the lepers are clean. Go tell John about the work that I'm doing here. And so John's disciples leave and they go give him that message. And then John, and then Jesus turns and he just begins to ask of the people, ask, what did you go out to see? Now he's addressing the people, the crowd, the people who are there as it pertains John. And so he validates John's ministry by letting them know that, listen, this is the one in whom it was prophesied. Amen. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face. So he's the forerunner. So Jesus confirms all of that. Amen. He confirms John's ministry and who John is. But then the Lord does something else. Verse 29. 
And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers, check this out, rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized of him. <laughs> Let me read that one again. Let me read verse 30 again. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. So some people got baptized, but them Pharisees and them lawyers, no, they rejected it. And the Lord said, watch this, verse 31, whereunto shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? And remember, I've asked you guys the question, what does it take for God to get your attention, to get our attention? We're still wrapping up verse number three of Jeremiah chapter 36. Now back to Luke chapter seven, verse 31. And the Lord said, where unto, he says, where un, he says, where unto then shall I liken the men of this generation and to what are they like? How do I describe them? What, in other words, he said, how, how should I describe this generation? How do I, how should I paint a picture, if you will? of this generation? What are, what are they like? What, what's a good example? What example can I give you um, that would show you how this generation is? He says, they are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another. Watch this. And saying, we have piped unto you. And ye have not danced. We have mourned to you. And ye have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And ye say he hath the devil. Notice. their interpretation of the good that John brought. He came doing the right thing. But the people around said he had a devil. Verse 34, the son of man is come eating and drinking. And you say, behold, a gluttonous man, a wine bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all her children. If you go back to Verse 32, he said, they are like, in, he said, they're like unto children sitting in the park marketplace and calling one to another and saying, we've piped unto you and you have not danced. We have mourned to you and ye have not wept. What? In essence, what he's saying, you're like children. Calling one to another, saying, we've piped unto you. We play music, basically. You haven't danced. We've mourned unto you. And you have not wept. In other words, God says, listen, what does it take to get your attention? No matter what I do and what I've done, you won't hear. You keep resisting. You keep rebelling. You keep fighting. What does it take to get your attention? How long? Will you go before you finally answer the call of God? 
no matter what. It seems this time that's how God tries to get our attention. We just won't listen. Through the good times, we won't bend the knee and see and recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. We won't recognize that everything that we have come from the Lord. When bad times happen and all of these and 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 we begin to eat the fruit of our wrongdoing, even then we still won't wise up. We won't hear from God. Look at Amos chapter four, verses six through twelve. Again, the question is, what does it take for God to get our attention? And I also, Amos four six through twelve. And I also have given you clean, given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And what he's talking about here in the book of Amos is he said, listen, I, I'm punishing you. When he says cleanness of teeth, you guys don't have no food. No bread, nothing. And he's like, though, though I allow you to deal with that and go through that, you, st you still won't return to me. Verse number seven. And also I have withholding the rain from you. When there were yet three months to the harvest. And I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon and the piece whereupon it rained not withered. So two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water. But they were not satisfied. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Do you hear what he's saying? Listen, I, I, I even withheld the rain. Cause it to rain in one place and not another place. Drove you out of your cities to where you guys, multiple cities had to go to one, uh, had to go to, uh, had to go to a single city in order to try to get wa get water. In other words, I withheld it to rain for rain. I withheld the rain because of your disobedience. Your crops have withered and all these things, and still, through all of that, you you won't return. You won't get the message. Verse number nine. I have smitten you with the blasting of mildew. When your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increase, the palmer worm devoured them. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Notice how he's going through all these ways that he's punished the people. He says, I've tried not even you wouldn't hear me, hear me when things were good. And now when things are bad, you still won't even hear me. Verse number 10. I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword and have taken away your horses and have made the stink of your camps to come up unto your nostrils. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And ye were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet. Have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord? Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel. And because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Some of you had better start listening. And get prepared to meet your God. Because you don't have always to walk in rebellion and ridiculous and, and defiance with God. You don't have all, you don't have it. What does it take for God to get your attention? Because he's not playing. Some of you are rebelling against God as the day is long. 
but you better get prepared to meet your God because meet him you will. Meet him you will. God's use both the good and the bad to try to get your attention, but you just won't hear. It's time to stop fighting against God. It's time to start surrendering, start obeying. Don't listen, don't let this be your end. Don't let this be your end. Second Chronicles 7. 11 through 16 says this, thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he prosperously affected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land, remember, that's what he said he did in the book of Amos. And notice what he says here. If I command all, if I, if I command all that, or if I send pestilence among my people, remember, this is all the stuff that he, that he did in Amos. Amen. We just read it in Amos uh, chapter four, verses six through 12. But look at what he says here in second Chronicles. He says, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence along, among my people, this is the Lord talking about what he has to, what, if he, if he finds himself having to do this because of the people's disobedience, he said, if my people, which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ear attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. God wants to give you a second chance. God said, listen, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. God wants to forgive you. God wants to give you a second chance. And if you will surrender to him, if you will stop, just lay down your arm. Stop trying to do this on your own. You, There's no need. God already took care of everything. All you got to do is surrender. And he'll turn everything around. But some of you, it's because you insist on unrighteousness and doing what you should not be doing. That you are actually in the midst of chastisement and wrath, even right now. And God is trying to tell you that even now, you can catch the lesson in the chastisement and the punishment and you can wake up. Because if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. God is a God of second chances, but he is also a God of final chances. And the thing is, brothers and sisters, is that when God gives you a second chance, he may or may not always let you know if that's your final chance. Brothers and sisters, don't put off today thinking that you can do it tomorrow. If you know you ain't right with God, then you know you ain't right with God. If you know you ain't obey Acts chapter 2, verse 36, keep on going. You, you, know, you, you know you ain't did it. 
then stop fighting against God and get it done. Obey God now. Turn to the Lord now. Surrender now. Because he wants to give you another chance. But this just may be your final chance. And as he said through the prophet Amos, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. You better make sure that when you meet God, it's going to be under the right conditions and not the wrong ones. The ones that are going to land you in hell. You don't want that. Brothers and sisters, that is all that we have for this 10th lesson. We are going to go ahead and stop the recording here. God bless you. May you have a wonderful Sunday. And I pray that this word blesses you. Share it with somebody. Don't take it upon yourself to try to figure out who's going to listen and who needs it and whose word. That ain't your business. Just give it to everybody. And God bless you until we meet again. Wow.